For Arizona Public Media, I'm Mark McLemore, and this is Arizona Spotlight. Coming up, Vanessa Barchfield looks at the legacy and the future of uranium mining in northern Arizona. What happens when melody meets intensity? Poet and playwright Robert Beverly tells the story. And music and conversation with Joey Burns of Calexico, celebrating the release of the band's new album. Those stories are next on Arizona Spotlight. This week on Arizona 360, which airs on Channel 6, a feature report looks at the legacy and the future of uranium mining in northern Arizona. Joining me now is the reporter who filed the story, Vanessa Barchfield. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So tell me where you went and what kind of story you were looking for. So I went to Flagstaff to look at what's going on with uranium mining in the area surrounding the Grand Canyon. Um, There's been a ban on uranium mining in the area that's about a million acres around the Grand Canyon, although there is one mine that's been allowed to sort of proceed. So I went to visit the mine and to talk to the people on both sides of the issue. When uranium mining began, it was as a result of uh, really the end of World War II and the beginning of the Cold War. And I understand the conditions at that time were pretty unsafe. Yeah. So a lot of the mining at that point was um, being done on the Navajo Reservation. I spoke with Frank Bain, who's a mining consultant in Flagstaff, and this is how he describes the conditions. Back in the 1950s and 60s, there wasn't any regulation, so to speak, on uranium mining. It's just basically a bunch of uh, unventilated, dirty little holes in the ground. Uh, Miners were exposed to radon gas, uh, unsafe mining conditions underground. Now, of course, things have changed since then. Bain made the point that today the mining operations are very clean and miners aren't exposed to the harmful conditions and elements that they were back in the 50s and 60s. But even with that being said, local residents are concerned that this could pose a threat to their water supply. Canyon mine and, and uranium mining near the Grand Canyon in general is a really controversial issue. One group that's really opposed to it is the Havasupai tribe. The Havasupai people um, live at the bottom of the Grand Canyon in, a, in Supai Village. And they say that their main source of water is actually an aquifer that's just below the canyon mine and that the mine is actually putting their water source at risk of contamination. I spoke with Carletta Toulouse, who's on the council of the Havasupai tribe, and here's what she had to say. We are opposed to canyon mine for many reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is, is that it is located right above our water source, Red Wall Aquifer. Of course, mining proponents have a, a different take. Here again is Frank Bain. I, I just don't buy that. You know, I don't, I don't see the direct uh, link between the uranium mines and and a a water table that's a thousand feet deeper. And I think one of the things that the proponents of the mine maybe have on their side is the fact that uranium is a naturally occurring element that's found all over that region, in fact, in the very walls of the Grand Canyon. Yeah, and actually the mining company Energy Fuels says that the biggest miner of uranium in the area is the Colorado River as it runs through the Grand Canyon. Um, Opponents say, you know, it's not the naturally occurring uranium that they're concerned about. It's really the higher levels, higher concentrations of uranium that could seep into water sources. 
So there was a concerted effort at lobbying the Obama administration. It was led by the Sierra Club, um, the environmental group Grand Canyon Trust, and the Center for Biological Diversity to put the brakes on uranium mining around the Grand Canyon. Um, at the time, price, uranium prices were really high. And so there was just sort of a boom of uranium claims being made on the area around the Grand Canyon. And in 2012, then Secretary of the Interior Ken Salazar introduced um, this, it's called a withdrawal, um, but just for the sake of clarity, I'm, I'm referring to it as a, a ban on uranium mining in the area. The purpose was really to give more time to study the effects of uranium mining on water sources and on the local ecosystem. So now as we move ahead to 2018, are these regulations in danger of being repealed? The Trump administration is said to be considering a reversal of the ban. Um, the U.S. Forest Service made a recommendation in that regard last year. In December, one of the reasons I became interested in this story was because the U.S. House Committee on Natural Resources debated whether or not to rescind the ban. I know you collected a lot of material to produce this report. Can you share with us something that didn't make it into the television story that you wish you had had time to talk about? Yeah, one of the really interesting elements of this, I think, is the economic side. Now, mining proponents say that these mines are going to provide jobs in an area that's pretty depressed for people that really need jobs, need employment. Um, I spoke with Art Babbitt, who's on the Coconino County Board of Supervisors, and he's a staunch opponent of the mines. He said that tourism to the Grand Canyon region generates $1.5 billion a year for northern Arizona, and mining isn't even on the radar of the region's economic activity. So he really disputes the economic impact that mining has on the region. We believe very strongly that, uh, that those who take the risks of uranium mining are our residents, our tribal partners, uh, our communities, and those who take the benefit uh, do not typically live here. And we want to make sure that we protect these assets for our local economies, our regional economies, and our communities. Canyon Mine is being constructed right now, but the company that owns it, Energy Fuels, has no intention of actually extracting uranium right now. Prices stand at about $20 a pound, as opposed to a high in 2012 of about $120, $130 per pound. It just doesn't make any economic sense to extract the uranium from the ground. Um, they say that they want prices to be up closer to $50, really, to make it profitable for them. Well, thank you for taking a trip to one of the most scenic parts of our state to get the information for this story. It was my pleasure, and thank you for having me. Vanessa Barchfield's report can be seen on the next edition of Arizona 360, this Friday at 8.30 p.m. and Sunday at 11 a.m. on PBS 6. And now, a whimsical story, as told by Tucson poet and playwright Robert Beverly. He imagines a time, not all that long ago, when two people from different worlds briefly found themselves at the crossroad of a million possible opportunities. She was Lady Melody, the queen of the jazz scene. Every time she sings, things seem so right. She was what everyone looked forward to after work on Friday nights. Her incredible elegance and melody made all of your blues and troubles go away. Lady Melody is what people called her. She was so fine and mellow, 
that she could stop time. The fact of the matter is, she provided the pleasure most folks desired. Men and women came from all around to hear the sweet sound of Lady Melody. Many men marveled at her and many women tried to imitate her, but both appreciated the talent and style of the one and only Lady Melody. When she performed, she commanded the moment, heads bobbed, fingers snapped, and feet tapped. The bold brothers in the place would embrace the gorgeous girls on the dance floor, grooving until the music played no more. Superficial fellas told stories of lies about how they captured the attention of Lady Melody's eye. There was no truth in any of these stories told. After each show, Lady Melody went home alone. Until one evening, there was this one guy, Mr. Intensity from Charm City, a smooth and cool someone who oozed with sophistication and passion. The trumpet was his instrument he reinvented, a tone unlike any other. He was a young and secure brother. When he blew his horn, you could have sworn you witnessed an amazing new music being born. Every man in town tried to intrigue Lady Melody, but Mr. Intensity was the only body to inspire Lady Melody. Now the young man was not experienced with love. Caressing his instrument was the only thing he was aware of. Lady Melody and Mr. Intensity performed with one another, bringing joy and harmony to all that came to see. Mr. Intensity only understood music. He could not comprehend the kind of friend Lady Melody could have been. Mr. Intensity played as well as he could to show Lady Melody that his trumpet was better than good. Not knowing in his heart, Lady Melody could play a more important part. One night, Lady Melody sung a song about how she felt about Mr. Intensity's horn. She sang about keeping him warm and holding him in her loving arms. Young and naive, Mr. Intensity played his horn better than ever. It brought the crowd to their knees. Yet the love in front of him, he could not perceive. Lady Melody, knowing she never felt like this, continued to sing her song so lovely that those who heard it could never forget it. This night, Mr. Intensity was blind to see the beauty of love but Lady Melody still sung her song. Blowing and showing how cool his horn can be, Mr. Intensity did not see Lady Melody right there, standing near, on stage. Lady Melody's beauty, more precious than priceless diamonds. It was a certain something that Lady Melody enjoyed about the horn player. Although his passion for music 
was more than his passion for love. Lady Melody continued to sing. Then Mr. Intensity looked at her again. For a moment he stopped playing and smiled. For a moment silence overtook the crowd. All of a sudden the horn player's heart had burst, but before he could realize the prize of someone special, Lady Melody had ended her session. There, with only his horn in his hand, Mr. Intensity could only stare. Someone so fine and mellow, so special, someone rare and nice, someone he failed to recognize and treat right. The love they could have made and the serenades they could have played were not meant to be. This is not an unhappy ending. The voice of Lady Melody and the horn of Mr. Intensity still moves others, although how much happier they could have been if they were together. That was A Song for You and Me, written and told by Robert Beverly. The music on Arizona Spotlight has always been provided by Calexico, a band from Tucson that's found a worldwide audience for its uniquely southwestern sound. Last week marked the release of The Thread That Keeps Us, Calexico's first new album in three years. We'll hear some exclusive versions of songs from that album next, reimagined for the duo of composer, singer, and guitarist Joey Burns and guitarist Connor Gallagher in this Spotlight session. Well, I thought you were the one Who said cold was all the best She doesn't want a Romeo Just someone she can trust With an ear to the ground Did you have a particular extreme in mind when you were writing it? Yeah, I think in the past number of years, it's felt more and more like we're in this era of things kind of getting pushed to their, their limits. And so I've kind of come up with this phrase in conversation, oh yeah, it's really like this era of extremes, you know. So I thought, eh, maybe I'll kind of see what it, what it sounds like if I weave that lyric into a chorus and, and take something that's pretty heavy and, and make it more light.
at the end of the world with you. One thing that I get listening to your lyrics is that you're really reminding me to pay attention to the beauty and all the delicious flavors that are around us, particularly here in the borderlands in Tucson. And I end up almost resenting the fact that you're reminding me of things that I maybe should be paying more attention to in the first place, at least not taking them for granted. Yeah. You know, I'm probably doing the same thing as well. You know, like, how come I'm not out at Gates Pass right now watching <laughs> the sunset with Nova and my daughters? Um, how come we're not out there right now? Um, we all get busy, and um, for sure I draw on a lot of themes from nature, um, and, and those weave themselves into lyrics at times. And maybe in the music as well, the, you know, the music sometimes has this character or these dynamics and, and qualities that remind us or remind me of places where we live or places where we visit and travel to. And that's one of the things that is really enjoyable about playing music is that you can kind of draw on these things and kind of throw them into the mix and see what happens, if it makes sense or not. Sometimes these songs are reminders for me to to get out there or to be more mindful even. You know, sometimes I feel the songs um, are trying to get me closer to that balance in life, which is not always easy to maintain. Do you ever get homesick when you're singing this music? I do. You know, I I think about my kids a lot in Nova and Tucson. I miss, you know, my family and my friends. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on that I'm missing out. And of course, I'm constantly moving, keeping busy. So we have that and we have technology to connect us, but it's just not the same. And it poses challenges in trying to maintain the calendar and, and maintain your health and all that stuff. Running through fields of flowers and smoke Leaving behind all that we've built The garden now in ashes and the roof is caving in A broken hourglass, blood running thing for your life I really do love music and uh, just the other day my daughter Genevieve said I could tell that when I saw you playing music that you really, you really love playing music. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I do, and um, and it's nice to see my kids also finding their their hobbies and and things that they love to do. Well, that's a nice gift to give them because not all of us ever get to see our parents in their happy place in a state mm. of bliss. Yeah. What things have crept in, concerns maybe, do you find yourself writing about that you might not have done in 96 or 2006? Oh, writing songs uh, that are very direct and trying to be more open and honest and revealing rather than just, you know, writing narrative stories. That's for sure. Uh, And on this newest album, uh, The Thread That Keeps Us, there's a song that closes the album called Music Box, which is a very direct song for, for Nova and my daughters which the chorus goes, um, and I want you to know this song's for you, and I need you to know that I love you. I wouldn't have written that 20 years ago. It feels good being on this side of, uh, you know, this musical arc of life, and uh, it's interesting, you know, you'll find yourself saying, oh, I'll never do this, or I'll never do that, and then years later you'll be presented with this opportunity or 
a chance to do something or you just feel like you know what I've changed and and we're growing and I'm just I'm in, trying to embrace all of that and be in the moment Speaking of these kind of exotic sounds, Connor Gallagher seems to bring a real palette of unguitar guitar sounds. How much do you feel like you need to verbally discuss the music with Connor, and how much of it is just him getting the wavelength that you're on? I think that it's more of a natural thing with musicians, especially like Connor Gallagher. Um, he's just, he's a natural, and he's got it, and he's been developing his sound and his style, and. I think most people just let him do what he does. And every now and then I'll just tell him, you know, more or less, that's about it. But I just want him to, to find it as well. And same thing with a lot of musicians that we play with overseas. Um, you know, we try to encourage them by showing them some examples. That's probably the best way you can do it. But really, you want to kind of nurture, you know, your own sound as, a, as an ensemble or as a group. As a listener, one thing I really love is rock songs that introduce me to characters, that tell me about a new person and describe them and give me memorable details about their life. And you just did it here in the studio with your neighbor, Miss Lorraine. Oh, yeah, right. So tell me a little bit about where she might have come from. Well, I suppose, um, you know, a character like Miss Lorraine could be uh, someone who is hard to uh, define, you know, is hard to... Uh, understand where she's coming from. She's a strong character. You know, when we were recording in Northern California, just outside of San Francisco in Marin County, and uh, I was thinking about what it might be like for kids growing up today on the coast and, and what would be their their focus, what would be their the thing that would bring them together, what would they uh, rally against, you know, would they be fighting against corporations wanting to drill off the coast and um, Miss Lorraine I think to me symbolizes uh, not just being a character but symbolizes a bit of mystery and also maturity and um, I for sure was thinking about some movies in the 60s um, that had some strong uh, female leads. So the new album is called The Thread That Keeps Us and so I have to ask what is that thread? Right. That is the question, and that's why we decided on the title. Um, sometimes it's really hard to find a title to an album. You do all this work on the songs and getting them ready, and then comes the time to find a title. There were a lot of bad ideas that I threw out there. Then, then I had this really long one, which was the distance between us, the thread that keeps us. And I sent it to John, and he replied back, why don't we just use the, the latter half? I go, that's brilliant. So for me, um, you know, it could be music, it could be coffee. <laughs> coffee seems to be a thread for me these days and has definitely <laughs> helped fuel uh, making the last couple of records. But, um, you know, of course, love is, is a big theme. And I think in, in this era where, again, you know, it feels like 
we were being kind of pushed apart to these extremes, um, I wanted to come back with something that reminded us or asked the question, what, what binds us? What brings us together? Joey Burns, thanks for your time in the studio today. Thank you for bringing Connor Gallagher with you. My pleasure. Any place you want to take this album that uh, might be a new frontier for Calexico? Well, that's a good question. Um, after the last presidential election, my first impulse was to go and tour more in the middle of this country and to play in places and that maybe don't normally get to see a band like ours play. Um, there's certainly tons of towns and cities we haven't played that much or at all. This record is about home in, in all of the, the facets of that meeting. You know, your heart, your house, your family, your town, your state, your country, the planet. So I think that you know, going and playing in the middle of America or in the southeast would be really important to do. And um, it might take you know, some efforts to, to get out there in that um, financially it's not always doable. But I'm, I'm interested in making it work and, and however we can make that happen. That was Joey Burns, joined by guitarist Connor Gallagher, playing songs featured on the new Calexico album, The Thread That Keeps Us. The music was recorded by Jim Blackwood in the AZPM Radio Studios. You can listen to the songs and see video from this session on the Arizona Spotlight page at azpm.org. And now here's an excerpt from the new album, The Thread That Keeps Us, a song that Joey mentioned in the interview called Music Box. Here's a little gift from me to you. A place to store your dreams and your secrets too. When the world goes dark, I'll always be close by to hear your dreams unfold. Hold you when you cry And as you walk away Let go of my hand Smile as you turn for one last look And know you Thank you for listening to Arizona Spotlight. You can find our podcasts on iTunes and through the phone app NPR One. This show originates from the AZPM Radio Studios. The music is by Calexico. The production engineer is Jim Blackwood. Our executive producer is Peter Michaels. I'm producer and host Mark McLemore. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.